If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. Tonight on Love and Respect, a conversation with 12-time Grammy-winning singer, songwriter, and producer, Jack White. When the White Stripes first came out, it was sort of like everything had become so sort of digital and fake and yeah. plastic that it seemed like it was our job. If someone handed us the mic, we should try to preach about the soulfulness of yeah. the way things used to be done that weren't broken. Yeah. We all thought, well, this is the way you would do it if you had the opportunity. Jack White, coming up right now. Ah, oh, Jack, thank you so much. Thanks, I really Mike. appreciate you. Yeah. Um, and beyond appreciating you coming for the show, my band, Run the Jewels, me and LP, yeah. um, formerly of Def Jux and Company Flow, were running around 2014 and 15 trying to make people realize who we are, play yeah. bigger audiences. And we got a call from you um, to play Madison, to open in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Never had a chance to formally thank you for that. But oh, literally, thank you. get chills thinking about it now. Oh, it was such a great show. Yeah, How cool man. It was. And, and I, I just, I just, you know, play Madison Square. So thank you, brother. Oh, thank I don't you. Another thank way you. That was great. That was a great show. Yeah. You guys were killing it. You have been a yeah. part of, of a huge history, 12 Grammy history in rock and roll, White mm. Stripes on, on through to solo career. And you've just dropped this. Yeah. Um, and this is Fear, Fear the, the Dawn. Dawn. Yeah. And it looks amazing. And I've been listening to the first half of the album over and over again. I'm yeah. going to get through the whole, but I found a lot of liking the first five, six records. Yeah. Just playing. It feels authoritative. It feels punk spirited. It feels badass. It feels rock. And I was wondering who you collaborated with, and it seems like it was just you. <laughs> a lot <laughs> it was, of it was. It, yeah. it was just you. Yeah. And and locked away for a couple years. Mm. What brought your imagination forth to say this is this is what I'm gonna do right now? The first year of the pandemic, like 2020, I didn't do any music. I, I we kept hearing this is gonna be this is gonna go on for a while. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, it would be a shame if I got really excited about a lot of songs and they sat in the can for two years, and I didn't get to tour them. So I thought, ah, maybe it's a good time for me to take a break from writing songs. And I thought, wow, this is, I have no excuse about all these other things, I have, these other creative ideas and things, projects I've been working on that I hadn't have time for, so now I have the time. So I got into furniture making and upholstery and designing uh, you know, things at my pressing plant and things that we opened a third man store in London, Third Man Records is my record label. About that. So I designed the interior of that and I co-owned a baseball bat company called Warstick and we, I co-designed co the headquarters in Dallas for that. So I got into a lot of design work in 2020 and, and uh, by the end of 2020 I started to pick up a guitar and set a piano a little bit. So. so it's amazing that a lot of times people don't understand um, you're an artist, you're an artist. A lot of mm. times, I don't write raps, I go in the booth and it kind of comes off the top of my head. Oh, L doesn't okay. let me write at this point. He's like, just go in the booth. Oh, good, but what yeah, I do yeah. is sit there and doodle. I'll doodle for eight, nine hours while we're in the studio just yeah. teasing around because yeah. I come out of you know, high school arts program. I really loved it. Yeah. So to know that for a year, Jack White said, hold on music. I'm going to go learn upholstery. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and carpentry is pretty amazing. Do you find mm. that each day your principle of doing some art each day has strengthened your work ethic? with music and besides music, other forms of art? It, it has, because it's, uh, I'll walk down the street and force myself to think of making it a creative 
walk in the yeah. morning. If I go on a morning walk in Atlanta, I went a walk this morning. I have to think of a creative way to make myself go through this. I, I, I cannot let my brain just go for a walk. I, I just, I have to pick up a piece of paper and do something with it. And this is almost like maybe, I think if I told somebody about it when I was younger, they would have thought I had like a psychological problem about it or something. But it, I've always, uh, I didn't always do that. I, I, I would do things and not re recognize them as art and recognize them as creative, recognize them as just sort of killing time. Like maybe what you were mentioning about doodling. Um, maybe I don't have any talent for drawing and, but um, I have a talent for, I don't have a talent for, I have a passion for putting things together. Yeah. You know, maybe whatever that's called, directing or producing, whatever I like and, and enjoy and I have feel cathartic about it. I'm not exactly, think I'm good at it, but I, I, I feel passionate about it. So, like this artwork, you know, we were, uh, I, I actually asked a bunch of illustrators to, um, I gave them a bunch of influential words, you know, yeah. some inspirational words. Uh, and I gave everyone the same amount of words, and they uh, all do something different. So inside, uh, there's a sort of, what do you got? Yeah, here? let's bust it down. Yeah, there's like, a, so this is an, uh, one of the artists drew this. Amazing. This is her, and this is, um, this is a guy who did, uh, I let, uh, this is my wife, Olivia Jean, drew that one. Actually, oh, your wife? Yeah, she's a really incredible graphic designer. And, um, and then this is, uh, He's a Batman artist for DC. So I can, can yeah, kind of tell, tell that. Tell that. Yeah. Yeah. So we had um, uh, several different illustrators. And this is somewhere uh, between Bruce Wayne and the Joker. <laughs> he looks like, exactly like yeah. that. Yeah, he, he does. He, 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 I liked his face. His face figures. What I love about the cover is you're you're Detroit born, and this <laughs> yeah. this I, I didn't know if it was a Lincoln or a Cadillac. I asked you like we were just yeah. trying to. Yeah. Put, uh, this car is Detroit. Whether it was made by the Ford Motor Company yeah. or General Motors, this is a Detroit car. This is a Detroit. Haircut, look, everything about that kind of screams. Yeah. The D. You know, it's funny you say that because I was talking to someone the other day who was, you know, grew up in LA and I thought, you know, every movie you saw when you were a kid, you must have said, oh, I know where they filmed that, or that's the school yeah. my friend goes to, or that's right a block from my house. And so, oh, that's so cool. But I think, well, what am I talking about? The Fisher body plant was a block from my house. Yeah. And the Ford Rouge plant was running on my, our way to go get groceries or whatever. So it's uh, everybody's car was made by my house. Absolutely. <laughs> Were you a working class kid growing up in Detroit? Yeah, um, my uh, grandfather worked at the Ford Rouge plant, actually, wow. uh, Polish immigrant. And then um, I learned upholstery uh, for furniture as a teenager. And then uh, uh, my parents worked for the Catholic Church. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Let me ask you, do you think that trade should be taught in high school? I think it should be offered for sure. Yeah, yeah I, w I would think it's absolutely necessary because it's hard to pick some of those larger ideas, you know, for college, you know, picking your entire career uh, when you're 16 years old or 17 and trying to, they're trying to mold you into a path, which is, it's good inspiration, but it's hard to, at that age, to even comprehend yeah. what's it like to be a psychiatrist or what's yeah. it like to be something that go, you know, take eight years of college or 12 years of college, where trades are, just exposure to them would be nice. Plumbing, electrician, carpentry. Our high schools used to do that. Yeah. kind of got away from it. My, my, yeah. my oldest son is 28. Well, he'll be 28 this year, but I'm like, he loves skating. I'm like, if a kid can build a skate ramp, a kid could build a room. Oh, yeah. And so I work with an organization called Georgia Youth Build, and um, 
they teach kids trades. So it, oh, when great. I found out that you um, were, were heavily into the trades, it inspired me more to, to oh. learn something because I don't know how to do nothing. Oh, great. Well, <laughs> well that's why, yeah, my, my high school offered a, a shop, a mechanic class for working on cars, and yeah. I wish I had taken it. I could have taken it. I just didn't realize. I thought, oh, whatever. But now I don't really know enough about cars still to this day. I wish I had taken that. I'm married. Yeah. Can we talk about marriage? Yes. <laughs> so the, when, when, when my barber played, we were listening to some old White Tripe stuff before we, mm. before we listened to the new album this morning. And he was talking about, you talked about, man, it was dopest brothers and sisters ever. I was like, doper than the Osmonds? He was like, dopest brothers. I said, doper than the Jacksons? And I said, well, they were brothers and sisters. They were married. He was like, well, I was like, yeah. Was, you kept your marriage and your personal life very private. Um, and people got a chance to focus on the music. People got a chance to fall in love with that because mm. it wasn't the Fleetwood Mac effect. People weren't, you know, rumors about the marriage. Yet you got married on stage this, this time around. Is the evolution of Jack White opening up a little more to his audience in terms of his personal life, is that evolving? Or you, it was a one-off where you said, I'll let you guys see this back to privacy, don't ask about Yeah, I'm still a pretty private person, but I've just been going through, and I, it's, it's so funny because the pandemic is almost like... Um, if people want to think that's the reason it happened to me, uh, that's fine with me. But it, it seemed like it was co coexisting at the same time. I was going through this metamorphosis on my own already, which was, say, uh, in the uh, last couple months of 19, I thought, when, the 2000, oh, when 2020 hits, uh. I'm going to not eat any sugar and see how long I can go without having any sugar. And I went... 30 days, and then I went 60 days, and then I thought, well, I'm not going to have any carbohydrates anymore. I had read that the human body doesn't actually need carbohydrates to survive. Gotcha. Which, so I started getting into this, what is our species actually supposed to eat? Like, walking around in a field, what would we, you know, before modern science, before industrialization, before agriculture, before all this stuff. And I um, started getting into these ideas, and this just happened to be when the lockdowns was, were starting in yeah. the beginning of 2020. And uh, so this was already, I was already in the a metamorphosis on my own with my own health and everybody loves McDonald's fries so yes you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home um but the bag did feel a little light find my own well-being and at the same time to go back to getting back into furniture and that design in a heavier way in that year this was great it just kept going and going I changed my business manager, my lawyer, uh, people I've been working with for 20 years. Yeah. I, I've ref I changed so much in my life. Yeah. And, you know, now we live in an age, too, where, you know, to do this, you know, you're expected to do this and to do this and to sell and to do that as way more so than it was, where it might be something like, hey, you, you were on the, the Johnny Carson show or something once that year, yeah. that was what you did. Now it's, hey, look at this is what my kids had for breakfast uh, yeah. or whatever expectation to share or overshare, yeah. which for some people is, is great. It's a cool thing and they're good at it and it's an enjoyable experience for them where to me it's just like, uh, I, I feel like it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's, uh, it just doesn't fit me very well. So, so sometimes I, I think like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll share things that are important to me in, in a certain way. So yeah. like that, uh, getting married on stage, that, that day was so beautiful and the, the building we were in was meant so much to me and my wife that, this seemed to be the right moment, and yeah. I, I kept thinking that if it doesn't go that way, she'll, she, there'll be a sign saying, oh, this is not the time to do it. <laughs> I asked her, would you come up and play a song with me in a few songs? And she goes, um, okay. And I thought, if she says, no, I'm not going out there, That's I was like, sign. okay, we're not doing it. But, <laughs> but she did, so it was great. And um, so 
Um, but but it's a uh, you know when you when you put out things that you hold dear and you really love, if you really put them out there, I mean, people can just walk all over them and destroy them. Yeah. And then you're left with these <laughs> crumbled pieces yeah. of the things that are so important to you. So I only let out a sort of a truncated version of I things I'm interested. In. I got you. Yeah. But um, but the cre creative, but it's hard though because you. If I want to go, to go talk to people on an interview and talk about the album, how you made it, you know, I think a lot of people might say, hey, we had a lot of fun in the studio. You know, we went in and yeah. blah, 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 we did this and blah, blah. It's great. <laughs> I, I feel like I can't even talk like that. I, yeah. I, it feels like it's demeaning, like I'm insulting the other musicians or the process or yeah. the whatever it is. So it's hard for me, and I, I also don't want to talk about how much certain things mean, so I have to come up with sort of a soundbite version of it, yeah. as we all do. And, I guess I've have a hard time. I've always had a hard time with it. <laughs> music can be so personal sometimes that I, I, as musicians, you've put it all here, mm -hmm. and then having to re-talk about it um, can almost feel like you're stepping on the work you've put because you want people to connect with the work in a way that that they want to connect. Or, or am I or am I, or am I yeah. overstating that? No, no, I'm I'm hearing you, and I, I I'm trying to think of how I've I don't said it over the years where I I, for, I sort of feel like I'm talking about the process a lot and, and sort of became the poster boy for analog recording and yeah. things back in the day, especially when, when the White Stripes first came out, it was sort of like everything had become so sort of digital and fake and yeah. plastic that it seemed like it was our job. If someone handed us the mic, we should try to preach about the soulfulness of yeah. the way things used to be done that weren't broken. Yeah. Because we didn't think it was broken in the garage rock scene, in the punk scene that we came from in Detroit. We all thought, well, this is the way you would do it if you had the opportunity, you know. Um, so we preached that uh, to, you know, something that we did. It was real. It yeah. was, you know, uh, more pretending. But at the same time, we thought it was, um, if you were asking us how we do it, this is how we do it. So speaking of Detroit, whether, whether rock and roll with you guys or soul music with Motown, yeah. Detroit has a long history and heritage of music, but also, it's a beautiful city to look at mm -hmm. from a sculpture perspective, from a building perspective. Mm -hmm. You saved the Masonic Temple in Detroit, um, but besides creating more conspiracy theories. Just so theory, I could get married. Yeah, 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 I, <laughs> I was, I was going to say, besides creating conspiracy theory of yeah. the marriage being some type of occult thing, <laughs> it was beautiful. Why did you save that building? And what does it, what does it matter to you that Detroit doesn't become after you know, something else? Like, Atlanta matters to me, that certain buildings are kept, that certain streets yeah, are still named. Yeah. And Detroit, people from Detroit have that about them. They're very proud of their city. Yeah. Um, what caused you to buy the building? What do you love about the city and the heritage? And does any of that heritage keeping lead into your collaboration with one of my favorites, Loretta Lynn, oh, okay. who's not from Detroit, right. but yeah, is yeah. an amazing Artisting, like as a little yeah. black kid growing up watching her, Barbara Mandrell and her sisters, Dolly Parton. Yeah. Like you really, that really what brought me into country music. Wow. So what, this, talk to me about heritage, about the building, yeah. about Detroit, and about Loretta's collaboration. Um, that Masonic Temple building, I went to high school across the street from that building. Uh -huh. So I was already connected to it on a daily basis walking in front of it. When I was in high school, I had found out that also, um, oh, my brother-in-law had ushered there at, at a few shows in the 70s. I said, oh, I didn't know that. And then my mom said, well, I worked at the candy desk uh, in the late 70s there or whatever. I'm like, what? Yeah, she sold concessions there. I said, oh, yeah, I worked at David Bowie concert. And all that. My mom is, you know, very conservative. I'm like, what? She goes, well, what was... What was that like? Oh, David Boy came out with this ugly purple cape on or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. 
Um, so there was a little bit of that kind of connection there. Um, so a real personal connection. Yeah, it's so a little bit of that, yeah. Um, it, but the, uh, the building itself is also in the Guinness Book of World Records. It has the most rooms of any building in the, in the world. Like it has a, over oh. a thousand rooms in that building. And there's just in, some incredible architecture and there's some history there with the, the Lone Ranger radio show was mm -hmm. recorded there, I think. Uh, and uh, Mike Wallace actually worked, uh, we, I mentioned him, oh, he actually worked on that radio show in that building. And the theater itself, how many stories I've heard. I mean, I worked on, when I was a PA on, on car commercials when I was younger. And I remember a guy, one of the lighting guys was like, yeah, I handed Mick Jagger the bucket of glitter when he walked out on stage at Masonic. And he threw it out into the crowd. And um, I mean, everyone's got a sort of the who, Hendrix, that yeah. place is got some insane vibes and history in, in the room. You can feel it when you walk in. And um, it, it was always, even when I was in high school, it was on the, on the verge of possibly, yeah, there's, there's, there's fewer and fewer members of uh, the Masons, um, which I, I know nothing about. But, the, but uh, I had heard that, they, yeah, they're getting older and older and no, no younger members are joining or yeah. something. So I remember them talking about that building being in jeopardy even when I was a teenager. And... Um, and I'd heard that, yeah, they were about to foreclose uh, a tax. Uh, they owed a lot of money in taxes. Yeah. And it just seemed like, I don't know, you you're, you're seem to be a businessman, too, on this sense of where we, we, I kept thinking, why don't you guys book those rooms, that theater and the yeah. smaller theater? I never see any shows there. Like, whoever's running the, the booking, is, it needs to like needs a breath of fresh air or something. Yeah. So I thought maybe this would stimulate that, and it would also help the Detroit music scene, too, in, in bringing that up. Uh, Bob Dylan's first show was at the smaller theater in, that, you know, in, all, in Detroit. And so, yeah, uh, that was a one way of giving back to a neighborhood where I have direct connections from, which was no, called the Cass Corridor, which is a notorious you know, you know, murder central of Detroit, mm -hmm. the roughest neighborhood. And that's where we went to high school and caught the bus every day. And so you have to start with that first. Yes. You know? it's, yep. easy, it's easier to do bigger things in, in, in you know, in... Uh, I don't know, in, in sort of nicer, more comfortable, safer yeah. ways. But yeah. that was a little more of a dangerous place to, 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 to try to help the heritage of it. I'm personally, T.I. and I bought a restaurant together. It's the oldest restaurant on Bankhead Highway called Bankhead Seafood. Oh. And a big part of the reason we bought it was similar to the reasons like our family had history there. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was like open Wednesdays through the weekends. You can only buy big boxes of fish. Couldn't get extra hush puppies. Had to buy another box. Oh. Old lady named Miss Helen Harden bought it. But part of us buying it was about preservation. Yeah. We want to make money. We're going to make money. But it was about preserving something. And it sounds like you're a preservationist. Like, you know, you've preserved not only the memories of your direct family and it connects to that, but the opportunity for musicians to come and play and yeah. provide an opportunity if people are working around for jobs and stuff. So that's, oh, uh, yeah. that's bigger than business. I'd like to see more athletes and musicians in particular be in their communities be doing that. That's, yeah. uh, that's, that's, that's definitely cool a, a bravo. I didn't know that you actually were considering going into the seminary mm -hmm. and ended up like me in music. And yeah. I found that music um, is a way to me to extend grace. It's a way for me to, 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 to give very complex and big ideas um, in a very simple and loving way. Mm -hmm. Is there any similarity between your want to seminary, to go into cemetery, seminary and bringing you to music? Are, are you a preacher yeah. of sorts? Absolutely. And okay. I, think you are, I think you are too, you know? I think that, you know, when I, when I first uh, learned about Sunhouse, the blues singer's struggles with being a, 
between being a preacher and a blues musician, that it seemed to be, you know, at first maybe sort of mythological or something like it's just a, a easy a blanket to box to put him in, or a, a debate between heaven and hell and good and bad within yeah. one person. All that's interesting on its own and for everybody who relates to. I thought was good, but then I started to dig deeper into it and how similar um, preaching and being on stage is, and how similar a concert is to church and and. I think that it's really exemplified in, you know, like you said, if you're going into the booth and you're not writing things down and you're ra rapping off the top of your head. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. I think that it's easy to see someone who's freestyle rapping is doing the same thing as a preacher who's uh, speaking from the gut. But you have to love it. Yeah. You know, you have to love it um, to stand in front of that mic and be able to not trip over your own words yeah. and make a mistake even, you know. Great concerts feel like uh, church to me. One of my favorite records is called Sacred Steel, and it's all, all you know, st pedal steel guitar players in yeah. southern churches. I, I'm, I, I think they're all southern Baptist churches that they're yeah. different recordings from. And it's almost like on one side you could say, well, uh, maybe people are just using a religion as an excuse to just get in here to and play. Jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but on another side, they might be really tapping into something really really deeper and holier. Next time on Love and Respect with Killer Mike, more with White Stripes co-founder Jack White. T-Bone Burnett uh, said something to me one time which I thought was pretty interesting about the music business. He said, music started to not be as good when record labels tried to make music for people who don't like music. Yeah. <laughs> stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's.